and I couldn't find my notes. I'm going, oh no, they're not on the printer. But fortunately, they're, they're in a different passage, the passage I just finished with. These except the two, we're starting in verse 11, we're going to read 11 through to 15, but we're also going to be a bit all over the place tonight because there's two beautiful passages that uh, correspond with this one, uh, one in Hebrews 11 and one in Acts chapter, chapter 7, so we're going to spend a bit of time in all three of these passages today, so I, I apologise if we're flicking around a little bit. It's just that I'm trying to um, get all the passages that really line up with everything perfectly. Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Let's open a word of prayer as we study God's word this evening. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for your precious word. And Lord, that we can look back throughout the Old Testament and just see your hand upon the nation of Israel. See your hand, how you've been able to look after and care for them through each and every step. Lord, you are the one that brought them into Egypt in the first place through just a wonderful way through your servant Joseph. And you were able to build your nation there. And then, Lord, as we get to this passage, we see the preparation for you to move your people out of the country and back into the promised land that you give them. Lord, we just pray that as we consider Moses tonight and some choices that he made, Lord, we just pray that we might just be able to replicate those things that he did right and do them in our own lives and th those things that he did wrong that we might be able to be wary of those things. Make sure that we can follow after you. Lord, help us to make the right choices, we pray, that, we, that will lead to us living lives that would honour and glorify you. We just pray now, Lord, as we spend time within your word, that you might just be able to bless it to our hearts, bless it to our lives, and might be a great encouragement for us of how we can live a life that would honour and glorify you. Lord, hide me behind your cross and allow your word, your majesty and your glory to be the thing that is found the most prominent. And that we might be able to just walk away wanting to live lives that would honour and glorify you more. Lord, bless your word tonight and bless it to our hearts, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. When we last left Moses, he was a young boy, probably up to about the age of six, we'd discuss, when he was given by his mother to Pharaoh's daughter. 
Moses' mother had used these years to not only wean him, but also to teach him the ways of God. And ingrained within his heart all that the Lord had done for the nation of Israel. So that once he entered into Pharaoh's kingdom, into Pharaoh's court, he knew all about the Lord. And as Moses grew up in Pharaoh's court, he learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And was described as being mighty in words and in deeds. So much, in fact, that he was mighty in the deeds of the Egyptians. That the Jewish historian Josephus even wrote that was believed that Moses was actually the leader of an Egyptian army that fought against the Ethiopians who were trying to invade the Egyptian country. Moses had the best training that anyone could get. But when he reached the age of 40, something in Moses got to him. Whether it was his conscience, whether it was his Hebrew family, or whether God spoke to him, the commentators cannot agree. But what we do know is that in Acts 7, verse 23, it states, And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Moses now makes two big choices which will change his life forever. One is a good choice and one is the wrong choice. And it's these two choices that we're going to consider tonight as we look at Moses' right and wrong choices. Moses' right and wrong choices. First of all, we're going to see that Moses chooses to follow God in faith. Moses chooses to follow God in faith. Let's start in the first part of verse 11 here in in Exodus chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, they went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Moses knew in his life that something wasn't right. That the way that the Egyptians lived was not right. And so Moses at this stage begins to make a choice. He chooses to follow in the ways of his family. The ways of the Hebrews compared to the way that he'd known as the way of the Egyptians. Moses quickly starts to realize that the ways of the Egyptians was sinful, but the ways of the Hebrews was simply following after the truth of God. The phrase here, he went out to see the Hebrews, shows that he begins actually to recognize with these people. And twice here in this verse, he calls them his brethren. He's actually identifying that these people, these Hebrews, these slaves of the Egyptians, are his brethren. He's identifying them as his family. He knew these people. He'd spent the first five or six years of his life with these people. But Moses now begins to take a step of faith and chooses to follow in the ways of the Hebrews. 
He no longer wanted to go in Pharaoh's ways. He no longer wanted to worship the gods of Egypt that he'd known for the last 34 or 35 years. Instead, he wanted to follow in God's ways. In verse 11, it says, and, he came, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. The word here, looked on their burdens, means to see with emotion. He sees what's happening to them and it causes emotion to stir up within him. He begins to make this emotional link knowing that they are following the true God. As I said at the start, we have a wonderful account of this found in Hebrews chapter 11. Keep your finger in Exodus chapter 2, but turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In the approach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Moses turned to his family's way in faith. He'd been walking in the ways of Egyptian just because he'd been placed in that position. But now Moses makes a direct turn and refuses to be called Pharaoh's daughter and instead chooses to be following after the true and mighty God. He was no longer going to go in Pharaoh's way. He was going to go the true way he was no longer going to worship the gods of egypt he was going to worship the true god moses had seen the pleasure and the joy that egypt had brought and he had realized very quickly that it simply just lasted for a season and that as soon as that short pleasure was finished it brought great pain and suffering Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He knew that that pleasure only lasted for a short period of time. And he knew that it wasn't worth it. He knew that there was something better and that way was God. He'd been in the caves of the world and it got him nowhere. And so Moses now takes this step of faith. By faith when Moses... By faith, Moses, when he came to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to follow after God. And boys, uh, we have that choice sing in front of us each and every day. So often we have the choice to be able to go in the ways of the world or choose to follow after the Lord. And the temptations sit in front of us every single day. And the world might promise us so much. It promises so much joy and so much worth, but simply only for a short time and very quickly leads to pain and heartache. It leads us to great regret. 
And Moses had realized this after walking in those ways for 35 years, he knew that it was worth nil. But instead, the ways of the Lord was worth so much more. We need to remember that when the choices are set before us and we can see what the world offers and see what Christ offers, that Christ's way, God's way is so much better for us. And all we simply need to do is follow him. The world might offer their joy and their pleasure, but it will only be for a short time and will bring great pain and heartache. But the ways of Christ is worth so much more. And we have an ever-present choice set before us, following in the ways of the world or following in the ways of the Lord. And we should be ready to go his way, to choose to follow after him. Having our eyes fixed upon him, spending time with his word, and so that we can know that we will be able to serve the great and mighty and wondrous God. When the choice is set before us, we need to be making sure that we're choosing to follow God in faith. We might not know where each step is going to be planted, but when we're walking after the Lord, then our steps will be planted in the Lord. We just need to follow the example of Moses and choose to step out in faith, following after God. The choice here that Moses makes is huge. It's massive. Not only is Moses just rejecting the royal lifestyle, he was even known by many commentators that he would be become the next Pharaoh. Being Pharaoh's daughter and there was no other brothers or sisters, therefore he would become the next Pharaoh of Egypt. He would become the next one who would be in charge And yet Moses rejected all of that and instead chose to suffer affliction with the people of God in verse 25. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses was giving up so much. He's giving up that royal lifestyle, the royal way of living and instead choosing to suffer. Choosing to go through much pain, go through much heartache. Because he knew that was so much better. It was like Christ leaving the joys of heaven for the loneliness of this world. And Moses preferred to suffer the pain and affliction of this way of living than to have those royal highs. Look in verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. This phrase here, esteeming the reproach of Christ, or esteeming the the sufferings of Christ, Moses was preferring the sufferings as a greater richness, a greater treasure than anything that Egypt offered. Egypt offered money, royalty, the highest person in the whole land, possibly even at this time, the whole world, 
And yet, Moses preferred suffering with the people of God over this. But for Moses, it was a very easy, simple choice. Because Egypt was offering the ways of sin. Egypt was offering the ways of what the world might offer. But the Hebrews, the Israelites, had the Lord. And he was going to offer so much more. And Moses knew that. And so it was a simple choice for him. He wasn't going to go with those sinful pleasures. He was going to go for the wonderful Lord who would look after him and care for him. And so as Moses turned his back on these wonderful opportunities, he was gaining so much more because of it. One commentator said this, Humanly speaking, Moses turned his back on splendid opportunities. But see what he gained by the choice. He gave up a brilliant worldly career, but he gained a brilliant spiritual career. He gave up an earthly palace, but he gained a mansion in heaven. He gave up the perishable riches of Egypt, but he gained the eternal riches of Christ. And we know that this world gives us nothing. It might promise much enjoyment and joy, but it will simply leave us empty. In Christ, we have hope. In Christ, we can have true joy because we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. We no longer have to go in the ways of the world and get caught up in the ways of sin. Rather, we can choose to go after God, to choose to follow after him. Moses had everything to lose, yet he simply put it all aside and chose to follow God. And the world might offer us wonderful careers, but we can choose to follow after the Lord Master God. We can have wonderful pleasures on this earth and purchase wonderful houses and land, but in the end we have a mansion in him, which is so much better. And we can have so much riches in this world which will simply pass away. But we have the eternal riches of Christ which provides and offers so much more. We need to make the choice to be following after God, to step out in faith, choosing to follow after Him, choosing to suffer the affliction, just like Pastor Kendall spoke about this morning, choosing to suffer that affliction even as the world pushes against us. We need to choose to follow after God. The question is, what is the choice we're going to make? Are we going to choose the ways of this world? Or are we going to choose the ways of God? The ways of God has so much more for us. Let's rejoice in those things and follow in those ways. After making this right step of faith, though, Moses makes another choice. And it's the wrong choice. Because Moses chooses to follow his own plan. Moses chooses to follow his own plan. Turn back to Exodus chapter 2. 
We'll start again in verse 11. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. He looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smiest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Moses, by this point, had made the choice to follow the Lord in faith. He was going to follow in God's way. And so he was motivated to follow God. He was motivated to stand up against the Egyptians. He was motivated to do what God wanted to do. But the problem is, is that the passion got hold of him. It got the better of him. And so Moses sees this Hebrew being mistreated and he saw this was his chance. This was his opportunity. This was his chance to be able to show that he was identifying with the Israelites. He was identifying with them and he was going to walk in their way and nothing else was going to stop him. He had the opportunity to show where he stood, what he was going to do. Turn to Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, have... Stephen's sermon and it gives us another wonderful opportunity to be able to see what's happening here in this passage. Starting in verse 23, when he was a full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Moses smote and killed the Egyptian. And then hid his body in the sand as we see back in Exodus chapter 2. Moses was probably thinking by this age, yes, Israel's going to love me. I'm going to save them from the Egyptians. I'm going to get them out of this land. He thought he was the number one. He thought he was the deliverer. He thought he was going to do it all. And God was going to use him and he was going to be able to deliver the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Yes, I'm the number one. I've killed this Egyptian. They're going to follow me. At least that's what Moses thought. Look in verse 25. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. They should know that God is using me to deliver them. God is using me to bring them out of the nation of Egypt. They should be following after me. The last little bit of verse 25 says, but they understood not. They didn't know what he was doing. They just saw this person who thought he was probably a bit too big for his boots, who'd spent most of his life in Pharaoh's castle and Pharaoh's kingdom and who suddenly thought that he was one of them and had just killed this Egyptian. But they didn't know what he was going to do. And many have tried to justify the actions of Moses here in killing the Egyptian. I mean, he was their deliverer. 
and he was defending another. And he's fully justified in killing this Egyptian. Some say that in this case he was killing the Egyptian because the Hebrew was about to be killed. Some even say that there was some sort of sexual immorality going on in this situation. And so therefore Moses is fully justified in his actions in the Hebrew. Uh, killing the Egyptian, sorry. But look back in Exodus 2, verse 12. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He looked this way and that way. If he was defending this Hebrew against this Egyptian who was doing the wrong thing, why do he look this way and that way? The word looked here means to actually turn your head and look, to physically, not just glancing and look and go, oh, yeah, there's no one here and I'm right. No, he's literally looked around to make sure that no one could possibly see what's going on. He knew it was wrong. It's almost like he's trying to hide his sin before it happens. Moses was looking out for any potential witnesses who might bring this before him. Moses was doing this for his own benefit because he thought he was in the right. He thought he was going to do this all in his own strength. He thought this plan was the best. But the problem was this plan wasn't God's plan. This plan that he was going through with was simply Moses' plan. He hasn't asked the Lord what he should do. He hasn't sought the Lord in what he should follow or what the plan is. He's simply gone out of his way to go through with his own plan. And it's wonderful to be motivated for the Lord, but we need to be careful in our actions because our plans are not God's plans. Our plans are not always what God wants us to do. And so we need to be wary of rushing into a situation, of rushing into a plan, unless we've sought the Lord first. We need to make sure that we get advice and know that we are doing God's will before going through with it. And the whole end up decision in this is that in the end, Moses commits murder. We need to make sure that we do not offend in the sense that God does not want us to offend when doing his work. We need God to be able to direct us. We need God to show us what the plan is. But we need to make sure that we're not going to offend others in the sense of doing the wrong thing. Instead, we need to make sure that we're seeking God's plan, first of all. And that's where Moses has made his mistake here. He's going in his own strength. He's going in his own power. He's going on his own plan. 
we need to make sure that we seek God's plan. Because God's plan is best. God knows what is best. And so we should be seeking out his plan and following through with his plan. Because he knows where our plans will end up. And so if we are going to have a plan, we need to make sure that God's plan when we're serving the Lord. Well, the next day, Moses comes out and again wants to identify with his people. Verse 13, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a, ju- a prince and judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Moses goes out the second day, ready to identify with the Israelite people again. And he probably had it pictured in his mind. He'd walk through the Israelites and they'd be cheering, Oh, look, there's the man. There's the man that killed the Egyptian. There's the man who's going to lead us. There's the man who is so wonderful and lovely. They would have probably lifted him up on his sho- the shoulders and carried him through the town as he's the one ready to set them free. And as he's walking along, he sees these two Hebrews fighting. He thinks, oh, well, that's a little bit unusual. So he breaks them up and he says to the one that's been doing wrong, what are you doing? Why are you hitting your brother? You should be caring for him. And the man says to him, who made thee a prince and judge over us? In other words, who died and made you boss? Who decided that you're now in charge of us? Moses was probably taken back. But, but you know, I'm the one to set you free from the Egyptians. And then the bit, seeing at the back of Moses' mind, comes forth as the man says, Are you going to kill me just like you killed the Egyptian? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses knew straight away that all was wrong. Again, back over to Acts chapter 7. One of them suffered wrong, he defended him and avenged. Sorry, dropping down to verse 26. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren. Why do you wrong one to another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Moses suddenly realizes that his sin is out. That his action was known. That his life had suddenly been turned around. He was in ruin. Several days beforehand or weeks beforehand, he was in the palace. He was the second to the throne. And suddenly his life had been turned upside down. Everyone knew what Moses had done. And it wasn't long until Pharaoh knew about what Moses had done and wanted him dead. Think about from Pharaoh's eyes. This man, this intruder who had come into his family, Moses, uh, Pharaoh had wanted all of the male children dead. And so suddenly his daughters adopted this child. And so he's got to 
allow this child to be in the kingdom? And so he puts all his time trying to indoctrinate him with the airways and raises him up, hoping that he'll become just like him and become the next ruler. And suddenly this man just turns around and says that he wants no longer to be part of Pharaoh's rule and he no longer wants to be following after Pharaoh's way and choose to go after the slaves. The ones that he's worried about, Pharaoh's worried about, are going to cause a big rebellion against him. And so already Pharaoh's pretty annoyed at this guy called, this Moses, his, his adopted grandchild. And suddenly news gets back to Pharaoh that he's killed someone. He's killed an Egyptian. You could just see Pharaoh going, got him. Knew that child was no use when he came into my family. Got him. I absolutely am going to knock this guy's block off. And so Moses needs to flee. Moses knew he was meant to be the deliverer. We've seen that in verse 25 of Acts chapter 7. But his time wasn't yet because his plan wasn't God's plan. And so Moses has to flee to the land of Midian. Because God had many years of training for him yet. God still needed to work upon his heart and mould him further. Moses had gone through with his own plan rather than seeking out what God's plan was for his life. And we need to make sure that we're seeking out God's ways and don't make this mistake that Moses makes. And God will continue to work upon our life and change us and adjust us to the way he wants us to be. We just need to seek the Lord's will for our lives. But even as he goes out to the desert, into the land of Midian, God is still in control. God has a plan. And God's going to use all this training, all this background that's gone on in the life of Moses and use it for his glory some 40 years later. But first of all, God's got to work and break his heart further. And so for 40 years, he's going to be out in the land of Midian, serving his future father-in-law as God prepares him for what he's going to do next. Moses didn't have that in his plan, but God did. And God was in control. So all Moses needed to do was just follow the God. And we need to make sure that we do the same. That we're not pushing forth our plan, but we're following in God's plan. Because God has a plan for our lives. And his way is so much better. Let's make sure we're seeking his will, seeking his way. That we can be used of him for his glory and praise. We should be asking him to show us and guide us in his way so that we can be used of him. Let's make the right choice in choosing the Lord. And let's make the choice in seeking out his plan for our lives. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. This evening.
Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for your grace and mercy that you have saved us from our sin. And we can see through the life of Moses how you saved him from the ways of the Egyptians and turned him to your way. And Lord, we just thank you that you've saved us from our sins and turned us to your way also. And Lord, we just pray that we might be seeking out your will for our lives. Lord, help us not to deviate to the left or to the right, but help us have our eyes fixed upon you. That we would live a life that would honour and glorify your name. You are the great and mighty and wondrous God. And we just pray that each and every day we might have our eyes fixed upon you, that we might be able to serve, honour and glorify you, Lord, we pray. Lord, help us to remember these things and help us to be seeking your will and your plan for our lives, we pray. In Christ's wonderful and precious name, amen. Thank you, Scott. Let's turn to 261, shall we? Trust and obey.